welcome to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your hosts, Emma and Jake D'Souza. Before we get started, I want to do a shout out to our patron, Nori. Hi, Nori. Thank you for supporting us. For anyone else that would like to support the podcast and get some cool perks, you can sign up on our Patreon page. This week, we wanted to talk about culture. A little bit about Jake moving from Hollywood to Hollywood. Very apt for the podcast uh, title. So to get started, I want to begin by asking you, Jake, what was the biggest culture shock when it came to moving from Los Angeles to Northern Ireland? The biggest culture shock for me was the devastating lack of nighttime food. I, I, I'm still not completely over that. Oh, yes. And breakfast not really being available after like 1130. Oh, no. Yeah, that that actually was more of the problem when I went into a restaurant and um, ordered breakfast as I saw a sign that said breakfast all day. And he said, we're not serving breakfast after I don't even what was it like 10 or like 11? <laughs> Usually noon, but OK. Yeah. yeah, whatever it was. I was like, it says right here, you serve breakfast all day. And he was like, yeah, all day. Uh, I was flabbergasted. Uh, Yes, I remember. I do remember fondly or late night uh, breakfast sandwiches. You know, you could have a a breakfast sandwich at midnight uh, back in Los Angeles. But here, breakfast is only for breakfast time. That's right. You could have a breakfast sandwich delivered to you at midnight. But here, it's just crickets. Ah, Good memories. Of course, if we're going to talk about culture differences between living in Los Angeles and living here in Northern Ireland, you just have to talk about accents. There are so many of them, even within the region of Northern Ireland. You know, you've got the Balamina accent, the Derry accent, the Belfast accent. There's the country accents. There's a million of them. Well, maybe not a million, but like mm-hmm. a lot of them. Um, of course, now, many people have said that I don't have a, a Northern Ireland accent. And I've kind of fallen into this place where I don't really belong anywhere. When I did live in Los Angeles, everyone would ask me, where are you from? Because I didn't have an American accent there, or at least people didn't perceive it to be American. And here, where I'm actually from, people still ask me all the time, where are you from? Because they don't think I'm from here. And they're often quite surprised when I say that I'm actually from here. So what do you think about accents here, Jake? I think it's still, uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the, even just the Belfast accent. Uh, It's taken me around six years of living here for me to finally be able to listen to a conversation and not have to internally uh, translate English into English. But now I I feel like I've I've finally gotten a hang on it. And it's actually, apparently, it's kind of famously difficult to uh, uh, understand easily apparently even uh in in my work speaking to other people in you know england and scotland and stuff uh and i mean in scotland is pretty universally known to be a difficult dialect to uh to follow along with in certain circumstances but even individuals i've spoken to in scotland uh and england and uh, wales and throughout have stated to me uh they usually ask me how i'm handling understanding uh the northern irish uh, twang and so, yeah, I didn't realize what I was getting into moving here. Yeah, that's funny. And they say, you know, some people pick up accents quite easily. I would say maybe I pick up accents kind of easy and that I seem to be adopting your accent more and more with every year that passes. But you sound pretty American still, even though it's been almost six years of you living here. Do you feel like your accent has changed at all? I don't hear any difference. I mean, we both heard some of my friends uh, imply that there's been a change and uh, I I don't notice it. I mean, certainly I probably use different words that I didn't used to use. um, And those words I might even say totally differently than uh, I would have. For instance, um, garage back in America, I would have used, you know, in reference to the outbuilding or the structure there you go outbuilding that's something i would never have said before i don't know if that's uh just something i never encountered in america but that is a word i've encountered much more here uh and anyway garage uh, i would use in in terms of like a garage band but here it would be a garage uh and it also would refer to an entirely different uh structure (laughs) um Yeah, I mean, it also refers to like a petrol station. Exactly. I remember having this problem back whenever I lived in L.A. with you and I'd be like, 
just pick me up at the garage. Yeah. And you were like, what? Where? The garage? What right. do you mean? <laughs> we don't we don't have a garage. And why would I need to pick you up from one if you were at it? <laughs> um, but yeah, in answer to your question, uh, in terms of uh, losing the accent, I don't think... I don't think I've I've really budged much as far as I can tell in terms of my American lilt. Um, but uh, I don't think I expect it to really budge all that much because I spoke to a an individual from uh, I can't remember. I mean, I think it was from Georgia or somewhere uh, one somewhere near or in the Bible Belt in the United States. And um, he said he was here for over 30 years. And I mean, he answered the hmm. phone with howdy. Hmm. He he did not at all sound like he had spent a day outside of his home state. So that's really funny. Yeah, uh, I remember though we did have your friends over last year, and they did say that they thought that your accent had changed, in that it's now more musical. You know, it moves up and down and all over the show. And I guess we do have a bit of a reputation here for for talking in that kind of way, and talking quite fast. Uh, which would be different from what you'd be used to in the U.S. That's true. I mean, Americans are known known for being quite loud, but um, I guess there's less uh, dynamic in terms of you know the the musicality, as you put it. It's uh, yeah, definitely definitely a slight difference in that. Well, while we're talking about accents, it makes sense to talk a little bit about words and language and terms that we use here that would be different from what you would use in the U.S. There's lots of really common. Uh, words that we use that you would have a different meaning for things the really basic things like we would call the rubbish obviously the rubbish but you call the trash um you know jam here is jelly for you lots of really small things or like the the boot of the car would be the trunk so there's been a lot of adopting i would say and having to change the terms that you would use commonly back home do you find yourself now using the way that we would use those terms more often uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of had to um, both consciously and subconsciously, I guess, uh, uh, acclimate a bit more to, you know, the different vocabulary out here. Otherwise, people would just not know what I'm asking. And do you think that, uh, you know, which one seems normal now? Um, uh, startlingly, I guess this uh, the new I guess, or my new vocabulary has become pretty normal and I sometimes find words I used to use uh, jarring to the ear, which is just not what I would <laughs> have expected. Funny. And then, of course, we have a lot of uh, odd terms out here, things such as crack, which you would have heard me say quite a bit when I lived in L.A. with you. But obviously now you hear it all the time and you use it and it's a common term. But you would have encountered a different kind of crack back in L.A., no? Uh, that's correct. Um, if someone were to ask me uh, any good crack uh, back home, I would have a different answer as to uh, if someone were to ask me that here. Not that very many people ask me the former. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we've got some other good ones, too, like Finder has always been one of my favorites, which, of course, means you're cold. And Scundered, which for some reason in two different parts of Northern Ireland has two different meanings. I think one is you're bored and one is you're embarrassed. I don't know where the embarrassed version comes from. For me, it's always been like you're bored beyond if you're scundered. That that word, I still I still have a really hard time with it because uh, in my head it hasn't. You know, sometimes you when you hear a word, you your mind immediately goes to uh, you know like a mental image of something. And for me, I I don't get that same mental image when you say the word scundered or when anyone says scundered i don't think bored it sounds more abrasive and harsh to me so i can't i it's not natural for me to uh like envision what that means do you have any words that you've adopted here that do you feel natural oh man uh i'm sure there are um i can't think of any right now mm -hmm. of course but there there are words of course on that the have, spot yeah too too difficult to remember but yeah there are definitely words which have become like part of my everyday or at least every week vocabulary and one thing that we talked about a lot when we first moved here was politics i remember quite vividly having to explain to you in great detail and repeatedly when we first moved here do not talk about politics with your taxi driver <laughs> 
you do not know the politics of the taxi driver. Well, do yeah, not do it. Now I just wait for them. I mean, I, I'm surprised, given how many times you've warned me, I'm surprised by how many taxi drivers bring it up themselves, which is perfectly fine for me, because then that opens the door. Ah, but still be careful. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you found adopting to Northern Ireland's very, um, uh, what's the word we're looking for? Um, uh, unique? Um, no, it's not unique. I'm looking for a bad word. Hold on. Um, Shitty. <laughs> fucked up. Uh, I mean, they work, but I'm thinking more... Uh, all I can think of at the minute is deceptive, but it's not what I'm looking for. I'm deceitful. thinking of... No, it's not deceitful either. It's... Um, Duplicitous. Uh, it's... Racist. Segregated. There we go. Divisive. 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 Oh, I knew it was a D. It's definitely divisive. So how have you find adapting to the often divisive political scene in Northern Ireland? Um... Well, it was weird at first because I would not think about it very much. You know, I remember uh, walking around one time on the phone to a family member. I think it was talking to my parents, just walking down the street and talking about how, um, you know, oh, just, you know, a lovely day here in Ireland. Uh, and a person like behind me on the street, a good like, I don't know, 10 paces behind me, uh, called out to me and, and corrected me with Northern Ireland. And, <laughs> you know, I laughed. I didn't take it as anything offensive. But yeah. I mean, now I, I think it's it's entirely possible that he was upset. I didn't even think about that possibility. It just seemed like, well, I am on the island of Ireland and I know my wife identifies as Irish and I typically think of myself as living in Ireland. Uh, and I, you know, interchangeably, I can say I'm in the UK because I am in the UK, but I also am on the island of Ireland. So I... I I, I have learned since this encounter uh, to be more careful with what I say outside of, you know, my closest circle of family and friends. But in my own mind, I feel like uh, I never mean any ill will when I say these things. I'm just, you know, kind of just speaking out loud. Yeah, I mean, but speaking out loud in those terms here can get you a little bit of attention. Definitely. And um, politics in general here is something you have to kind of be careful with. Did you find in the U.S. that you ever had to think carefully about speaking something to do with politics or speaking your mind? No, because, you know, most of the people that I would interact with on a daily basis would be, um, you know, a left-leaning uh, Democratic, if you would be Democratic, or just, um, you know, liberal in general. Uh, and Liberal. That sounds so nice. I mean, <laughs> here we're just completely boxed into unionist or nationalist and people can't seem to fathom the possibility that there might be more political ideologies than those two uh, labels right. here. So just the the fact that you embrace the term liberal and, and acknowledge that liberals exist sounds like such a luxury. It is. It, uh, it was nice. Um, I never even thought about it, you know, and even if I was around other, you know, a, someone who was more Republican or conservative, it wasn't something like discussing politics at that time, at least. I mean, we moved here uh, before... Uh, Obama was out of office and it became, you know, uh, quite a contentious uh, mm. scene out there in the States. But for most of my life, even if I were to be around a conservative person and I were to talk about conservative versus uh, liberal uh, policies and ideas, uh, it would not warrant any sort of danger uh, in any form. You know, the worst it would be would be a heated debate. And while we're talking about moving out here, we obviously have to talk about something that we both love, food. Oh, Yes. So when you came out here, obviously we talked already about how you really miss getting breakfast 24 hours a day and being able to go into a diner in the middle of the night. And what uh, what else do you find is the big differences in terms of the food options you have here versus the food options you had in Los Angeles? Um, well, OK, there was in, in the States or at least in Los Angeles, there was quite a bit of variety. Um, you know, you could you could order any kind of cuisine at any kind of any time of day, pretty much. Um I mean, though, I mean, still, it was similar issues later on in the day where, you know, um, I mean, here and back home, you'd be usually uh, limited to like um, Chinese food or Indian food or um, uh, I don't know. Those are like the main, you know, Italian food. You'd, those were like the three, the, the, the holy trinity of late late night uh, food options uh, delivered en masse. But, you know, on top of that, you'd still throughout the day have options for Mexican food or like a diner would deliver, you know, breakfast stuff. And like you would have um, a wider variety. Uh, but that said, the quality of the food wasn't always as high as you'd find here. I mean, mm. albeit like, you know, chippies aren't known for their, you know, uh, quality ingredients. But 
outside of uh, that particular, uh, st- you know, I don't know, restaurant type, the ingredients here and the standards for uh, food are a lot higher. Higher, so um, I do appreciate that much more. Even if you get less of it or you know fewer opportunities to order it, um, it is quality over quantity, if you will. Absolutely. And so what have been some of your favorite foods that you've discovered here that you weren't able to get back home? I mean, I can't say what wouldn't have been available because I never even thought to order half this stuff. But like, well, like what about a fry? I was that was top of my (laughs) list here. Fry, fry, fry all day, all night. I (laughs) love me a fry or like a breakfast. I mean, I love breakfast sandwiches growing up. It would typically be on a bagel because bagels are huge in L.A. But like here, uh, I mean, you'd have it in betwixt what, like a soda bread or something? Soda you know, bread or Belfast bap. Belfast bap, yeah, like that stuff. You didn't, you you wouldn't find that back home. You know, potato bread or um, you know, brown bread or like the. There's a few different types of bread, and especially like down south, there are some other options. Uh, south being uh, in uh, the Republic of Ireland or Ireland proper. I don't know what the hell the uh, proper <laughs> thing to say. I'm, I'm sure I'm offending Careful, so many people right now just trying to speak. Uh, so forgive my, uh, floppy tongue here. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Anyway, I, uh, the, the options for, um, for breakfast in general, though it's harder to get a hold of breakfast throughout the day when you do, it's usually amazing. Mm. That said though, I do miss Mexican breakfast, man. Like chilaquiles or like, uh, um, huevos rancheros. Like there's, yeah, I actually miss Mexican breakfast a little bit too. So good. But if I had to choose between soda bread and potato bread, and white pudding and like Mexican breakfast, I think I'd still go with the Irish option. Well, I, it's a part of, you know, your culture here. I can't I can't fault you for that. But I mean, I, I miss having a delicious uh, um, California burrito or breakfast burrito. Mm, it doesn't matter. Burrito. But see, um, a California burrito is like on another level. It's It's a breakfast burrito. Plus, it's stuffed with French fries. And, oh, stop it. Yeah, and as you know, an Irish-identifying individual, uh, you cannot uh, resist the call of the potato, can are you? you? Are you trying to imply that because I'm Irish, the stereotype that I must love potatoes is true? <laughs> oh, that is very naughty of you. I've, I've, I've upset everyone on both <laughs> sides of the aisle here. Um, what other uh, food options we have out here that I guess you would have learned to really love uh, would be stew as well. I mean, I still haven't managed to get you into eating a proper Irish stew with lamb, but you are now a big fan of stews, whereas before you wouldn't really have had much red meat filled up. That's right. I, I didn't even, I mean, you, you got me into chili, which I could never, I, I don't know why. Well, to be fair, that's not Irish. No, it's not. Of course. I'm just saying you, you, you have a way of uh, like a cartoon character. I waft over to the <laughs> smells that you're able to generate with whatever you're cooking uh, and things that I never would have been interested in before. And, you know, growing up, uh, not necessarily a practicing Jew by any standard, but uh, in a Jewish family, they held on to just like, I guess, the family traditions that they grew up with, which was usually... Don't eat bacon? Yeah, they wouldn't eat... Well, it, they would, you know, we'd have like turkey bacon or like veggie bacon, which I love anyway. It's a totally different... It's a different thing. It's not... It doesn't taste like regular bacon, but it's good in its own way. But in general, they'd avoid red meat. We'd have a lot of chicken or fish or turkey or whatever. Um, but I've learned to really appreciate a lot of the more red meats, you know, like um, beef. And uh, I, I can't... I know it's not a red meat, uh, you know, pork, but I, I've, I've eaten a lot more of that. And then on top of that, I've occasionally inadvertently uh, eaten <laughs> eaten lamb a couple times. And it bothers me on like, it's not even so much the the, the, the taste. It's just the principle of eating a baby. Like we all. love lambs. But yeah, the lamb thing has been quite funny because it, for a while there, it seemed like every time you went to a food market and you went up to like a, a you know, a burger stand <laughs> and you ordered a burger... You would get a lamb burger every time. Yeah, I'd be like, hmm, this is good. Man, it's a little minty. It's a little minty for my taste for a hamburger. Emma, why is this so minty, by the way? Oh, you know, you're just eating a baby animal right now, and it's not the right animal. It's some weird, you know, woolly animal and not the, you know, for some reason I would consider the uh, four-stomached cow a more standard animal to eat. But I feel bad now with that, too, because... I've come to really thinking about it too much. I am. They're cute. Every animal's cute, but they got to stop being so tasty too. Yeah, it's a problem. I mean, I think in general, totally off topic, but in general, I think to consume meat at all requires us all to be a little bit ignorant 
because uh, animals are great and they're feeling and they have emotions and they're just totally awesome. And I mean, cows are just like big dogs. Well, speaking of dogs, if you hear any flopping in the background, that would be our uh, Labrador Shadow flopping his tail because he's excited <laughs> for some reason. I mean, neither of us are even looking at him, but something has gotten him. Oh, he's excited. That's starting... definitely him flopping his tail. And just so everyone knows, typically we would not have Shadow in the room for an episode, but he is sick at the moment. And so we have had to keep him with us just to keep an eye on him during this episode. So apologies if there's any signs or flopping tails in the background. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have to, to keep our eyes on him today. Um, so continuing with food, um, I want to stay on this topic a little bit because I just love it. And uh, another thing that you learn to love out here is butter. I remember back in LA, you used to be completely aghast at me wanting to get proper Irish butter and about how much butter I just loved full stop. And also pretty much all the dairy stuff. I mean, I was always trying to get proper cream, always trying to get really good cheese. And you were like, oh, you can't have any of that stuff. That's bad for you. <laughs> and then you come out here and now you eat like a block of butter a week. Yeah, I want my own butter now. <laughs> I love butter. I mean, I used to like butter, but only in certain contexts. And, you know, I'd have it on um, like toast with jelly, as I would want to say, oh, but Jesus. now I've had to learn the jam. Because now jelly sounds crazy to me because I'm picturing jello and <laughs> I get my brain all kinds of twisted Isn't up. is jello there. a brand? Yeah, but in America, everything's a everything's brand. You, you say, oh, give me a Kleenex, you know, oh, I need the Xerox that. Like these God, are some of these companies. Have you ever really even... thought about that? That that's like kind of not a good thing. <laughs> America is so like brand and consumer. Uh, side note, if anyone has seen the movie Idiocracy, this will make a lot of sense right now. Uh, yeah. Fuck you. I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> Carl's Jr. That's uh, the best. That's great. Uh, but yeah, so you've now learned that dairy is a huge part of the food uh, grips out here and is also just better. Um, I it, it is a lot better. I mean, I know even like the the brand Kerrygold uh, butter is pretty popular in the States too. I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd wonder how they send that all the way over there. I guess it's probably, you know, packaged in some I awesome... I think it's like one of the only ones that is like stocked pretty heavily in the U.S. Yeah. It was the only Irish butter I was able to find anywhere ever. Yeah. So they must have that market. They got that market to right. themselves. We, we are not sponsored by Kerrygold, but I would not uh, turn my cheek away we will, from... We will take payment in butter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was different out here in terms of culturally was the music scene obviously you've been a musician for a very long time and of course la does have a music scene but you find it to be quite different here didn't you oh totally different i mean in america or i'll, I'll just i'll speak purely for los angeles um it's uh the pay to play as it's called um system is very strongly in place there where um, many of the more popular venues, unless you already have a significant following and a, and a uh, you know, a, someone, you know, financially backing you and pushing you and uh, are, you know, signed or something to that extent. Most of the time, uh, if you want to play many a venue in L.A., like your the, the, the famous, you know, Whiskey A Go Go or the Roxy or the, you know, the Key Club, which for anyone who's seen Night of Night at the Roxbury, uh, that the key club is what the venue in the the Roxbury, the titular venue, uh, is actually that venue. But I think the key club even shut down and has become something else. It, everything's always changing hands. But places, the, the long mainstay uh, established buildings or venues like the the Roxy, the the key club, the um, wow, where was the one where um, uh, oh, okay. The, the Viper Room where uh, Joaquin Phoenix's brother, River Phoenix, uh, passed away. In fr I think he passed away at the, the venue. You know, all these venues, you know, the, um, the, the what's that blues place? The uh, Surely you would remember. I don't. It's been that long. <laughs> it's really upsetting me. Uh, like, I've played all these places. What the hell? Um, um, I keep wanting to say the Blues Brothers. What's wrong with me? Why can't I remember this place? I... The okay. House of Blues? Thank you. Why the hell can I... How do I know that? I don't know. Okay, so the House of Blues, which again, I think is also defunct at this point, and at least the Los Angeles one, the one in Hollywood, but so many venues there, if you want to play at these venues, they uh, require you pay them for tickets in advance, 
Uh, and, you know, depending on how well you do as a band, how popular you are, what's going on with you, it'll, it'll affect the price of each ticket that you buy or the quantity of tickets that they require that you buy up front. Uh, and then it's the onus is on you to be able to uh, move those units and sell those tickets. And then at that point, you can come back and get more or they'll offer them at the door at the same time, but they'll be more expensive at the door for the night of. And um, it's just a totally different thing. And this uh, admittedly was for original music. These bands that would you know have to go through this this process would be bands playing their own material. Well, uh, was there much of a scene for cover bands? Yes. And uh, the ones that I, I, were familiar, I was familiar with would be the bands that would play at... Um, the, uh, in Main Street in uh, Venice, uh, the Venice area, Abbott Kinney area, uh, for anyone who's familiar with the area, there were, there were a few uh, like Irish pubs, and mm-hmm. those very very often had you know uh, cover bands come in and out and play play shows. But th- that was a very different system, you know that no that you don't go out seeking out cover bands. You would go out and see the latest you know hip talk of the town, you know darling of silver lake band and usually if you were playing these venues i mean there were plenty of you know i think silver lake lounge very popular uh venue for indie acts i don't think you had to pay to play there there are a number of places where you didn't have to pay to play but um in order to get gigs there you had your usually in order to get a gig there on a, at a good time slot and a, on a good night and expect anybody to even be there at all uh just walk-ins from the street you usually have to be pretty decent and you know know somebody um and outside of that anybody can play any of these you know huge name venues uh like i said like the whiskey the roxy the viper room you know the cat club anything any of those places you could play but you have to fork up the dough and then you moved out here yes and i moved out here and was blown away by i mean i i don't i still haven't really immersed myself at all in the originals music scene but i know there's a thriving metal scene in belfast and there's a lot of original music and everybody who's a working musician for the most part has their own music as well. But, um, most of these people are making their bread and butter or were, uh, you know, making their income as career, uh, live musicians playing cover songs in bars and pubs and weddings and what have you all throughout, really all throughout the entire Island. You'd have people, you know, playing gigs in Belfast, outside of Belfast and across the border. So it's, it's very, uh, lively the uh the music scene here for uh for musicians who want to make that their career whereas in los angeles i knew hardly anybody that made money uh consistently let alone enough to live on especially with the the price of living and cost of living in la um using playing their music or anyone's music and if you did make money as a professional you know uh a professional within the music scene it was usually on the production side of things or working for a, um, a company producing music for placement and television or, um, you know, uh, working in a recording studio to record, um, other artists who can make money as uh, professional musicians. And so when you came out here and you saw that, you know, pretty much every bar, or most bars are going to have some kind of live music going on on a regular basis. Some even seven nights a week here as a drummer who's been drumming for, gosh, like what, 20 years or something mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't remind me. Did you me. find it appealing that you could potentially set up a career here as a paid musician? Yeah, it was a huge motivator for wanting to live here. You know, I'd already known, you know, touring around and playing in the UK and stuff. I, I saw that there was much more a, um, a desire for, I guess, the average person to hear live music. It was evident that, you know, most bars had an area of the bar, uh, you know, set aside for a human being to stand or a group of human beings to stand and play and perform music. Um, whereas in LA and most places I've been to within the States, uh, bars and clubs and stuff just had, you know, music playing over the loudspeakers or over the, you know, whatever they had going on. And it was, you know, top 40 or like trance music. Mm -hmm. And there was never a person operating that it would Mm -hmm. be like an iPod operating that. 
And, uh, you know, well, music is a huge part of Irish culture and history, especially in small towns. I mean, pretty much everyone in my town uh, played an instrument or did something musical because we had nothing else to do in the town. I myself was in a Metallica cover band, although not playing an instrument, singing. I love that. Uh, fun fact. <laughs> um, and uh, I was a big fan of Metallica. I saw them three times when I was a teenager. <laughs> just I went through a pretty... Uh, Pretty good phase, actually. Good I'm times. just picturing you going, Exilite. <laughs> oh, it just kills me. It kills me. Ah, uh, yes. Good memories. Um, but yeah, so the music scene here is, is pretty good. And um, I think that might have been part of a deciding factor for you in staying here. No doubt. Uh, when we first moved here, of course, the intention was actually just to stay for six months and then go back to L.A. We had a return ticket that we just never took. <laughs> so what was part of the reason why you decided you wanted to stay in Northern Ireland? Well, like you said, I mean, yeah, the, the music scene here and the ability to make an income as uh, an artist was, you know, hugely alluring. Um, of course, uh, with the uh, COVID crisis, that has all but uh, disappeared. Uh, and I don't know when that's going to be coming back, if it even does. But I know at least a couple of the uh, career musicians that I had known that have been in the scene for a while have already moved on to other more, uh, you know, buttoned up uh, shirt style uh, positions. Uh, and, you know, that's I guess that that's just something we're all going to have to get used to. But um Outside of that, it was just such a it, the the lifestyle in Northern Ireland uh, really appealed to me. It felt much more um, in it, it appealed to my sensibilities sensibilities quite a bit more because I, I L A was kind of lost on me. I mean, I grew up there, but I ne I was never a uh, go out kind of guy. You know, I lived as a little kid. I lived adjacent to park and I never ever wanted to even go to that the park. That is so sad. Is sad. I was like, as a kid, I was pure climbing trees and going out at the crack of dawn and I wouldn't be back in at night until it went dark. I, like, I wish you had grown up here, uh, rather in LA and I could have grown up here because I feel like it would have been better. You were such a go out and do stuff kind of person. I feel bad that you know some <laughs> other kid couldn't have grown up where I did because, yeah, like it was... And you were was, quite close to the beach too, although you did spend quite a bit of your teenage years in Santa Monica Beach, no? I did in Venice, uh, but it wasn't really at the beach so much. It's just like hanging out with, you know, friends near the beach and stuff. Like, you know, we when you live that close to the beach, the beach just becomes another, you know, building as far as I'm concerned. It was just another thing to look at and do. But like it's it certainly attracts more people that are the outdoorsy types and uh, tourists would, of course, be populating the beach areas like most people that live in the area would be, you know, hanging out at your, your buddy's house in Venice or at like a underground gig in like a warehouse in Venice or whatever. And, you know, there was a lot of hanging out near the beach, but not necessarily on the beach. Well, uh, we're, we're all prone to doing that where, you know, you don't necessarily appreciate these surroundings that you have in your home country or home city or hometown no. because it's your home. Exactly. Um, I remember a good example is when we went back to L.A. last year for a friend's wedding and I had talked you into going horseback riding <laughs> yeah. in the in the Santa Monica Mountains at, uh, at like dust? sunset or sunset. I don't know, yeah, it was yeah. sunset, and uh, it took a bit of convincing because you said to me, "I don't want to do that. That's what tourists do. Yeah. I'm not a tourist. I'm from here." I was being so snobby, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the, the way I look at it because you know doing things like that to me just sounds like something someone who was visiting LA would want to do. But like I guess we were technically at that time visiting LA and, and but you as someone who had lived there your whole life and had the ability to do that at any point you never had no. and you were surprised to find just how awesome it was to be up on those mountains with it those was horses. it was beautiful and yeah horses are great but like as a kid again like I'd go to camp and like r resent any day that was like oh horse day you know <laughs> put on these like smelly <laughs> clothes and like you're gonna be all itchy later and you know s sit on an animal that probably doesn't want you on it and you know, or like, I don't know, just there are a number of things that I just wouldn't want to do that I'm sure other normal people would want to do. And I don't know why I never had that motivation. Um, but in general, Los Angeles was a bit, like I said, just wasted on me. I wasn't, you know, going to clubs. I wasn't uh, going out and partying and uh, enjoying the lifestyle of kind of the more fast paced style of, of living in Los Angeles. And, and it was very fast paced, wasn't it? I mean, it you know, if you wanted to go anywhere around rush hour, you were stuck in like 12 lanes of traffic on the freeway. Yeah. 
and uh, it was a very busy place. Everyone's always busy doing a million things, exactly. which in, in some way makes you feel like you're not accomplished if you're not doing a million things. Exactly. And the attitude of so many people out there is it seems like everyone's got a bunch of things going on. They'll commit to something and say, oh, I'll totally be there and fully knowing that they have 12 other things they'd rather be doing and might also do or it's it just it's a lifestyle which never resonated with me and i mean that's not to say that there aren't plenty of other lifestyles in los angeles like for instance the the kind of things me and my friends would do all people you know born and raised in los angeles uh it was very common to just all hang out at a friend's house playing video games smoking legal weed by the way legal which we really need to work on in the rest of the civilized world and uh it was a perfectly reasonable way to spend your time in Los Angeles, uh, and you didn't have the onus of uh, having to go out and do, 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 as mm. I probably made it out to seem like you did. There were there were plenty of people like myself who were more homebodies, um, but in any case, coming out here, I found that it was just, there wasn't the, the traffic, there wasn't the, um, the obligation to constantly do, do, do here, uh, and... The, the beauty of, uh, you know, the, the fields and the mountains and the, the scenery here combined with how um, nearby the city, as much city as I could ever want, was uh, to, to, to myself living here in the outskirts area of Belfast. It's just the perfect mix of, of uh, quiet and, you know, action and, you know, being a homebody here is perfect. Um, speaking of quiet, we're not getting much quiet right now because Shadow is desperate for her attention. So yeah, if you hear a dog crying in the background now, that is still him interrupting rudely. That's right. Um, but yes, in fact, the first well, it must have been at least a year and a half that we lived here. We didn't even have a car. And that must have been really strange for you because in L.A. you couldn't have got anywhere without a car. No. Whereas here we had bikes. That's right. Uh, it was freeing. I mean, minus, I mean, I hate riding bikes, too, and that's part of me just being lame. But oh, come on now. You loved it, really. A little bit. Not when it was raining, though. That I did not love at all, and I was very grumpy. But I, I loved not having to drive. That was something I was looking forward to so much just before leaving was I would tell Emma repeatedly that, and I would spend the entire time driving just like clenched fist, white knuckled <laughs> rage and fury. Like oh, I cannot handle LA yeah, driving. At the same time, you would literally drive to the Starbucks at the bottom of your street. <laughs> that wasn't that far. I, I mean, I just couldn't get over it. I okay. was like, literally, it just—it's like a five-minute walk. It's not even. Why would you drive? Okay, missing persons famously wrote a song called "Nobody Walks in LA." <laughs> it's a there's a reason for it. It's because get this, nobody walks in LA. Yeah, I was really out of place living in L.A. Not only did I walk lots of places, but I even took the bus. I mean, that that was weird for me because having been forced to use the bus so much as a kid when, you know, your parents wouldn't want to drive you to, you know, certain places uh, growing up, they couldn't be arsed. There's a term I I never used, couldn't be arsed before. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'd have to take the bus. And I mean, every bus... Uh, no matter which bus you got on, would have at least one crazy person on it. I couldn't believe how often you'd use the bus there. It it blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's normal because here, public transport, I mean, transit is awful, but it also is just actually a pretty convenient way to get around. And I guess the fact that we're so small also works in our favor. I mean, everything is kind of pretty close. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I guess was appealing to you as well when we lived here that definitely you weren't going to have to get in a car and drive for three days to get somewhere. Exactly. It's so, so spread out in Los Angeles. And with how bad the traffic was, I mean, I'm sure it's gotten exponentially worse now, but even then the traffic was so awful that even going a short distance uh, would take you know, uh, it's 20 times longer than it should have, depending on the time of day you'd, you'd drive. But yes, driving down to the Starbucks at the end of the street was more convenient than walking. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't uh, regret that. Um, I guess another point to be made, you're talking about traffic is something that I noticed, too, since we've been living back here for a while is quality of air. You know, Los Angeles has some of the worst pollution in the United States. And we have pretty good air quality here because it's smaller and cleaner and greener than it is in the U.S. And the last time we were there, I really noticed a difference. And I actually remember speaking to an Uber driver who was actually moving out of L.A., his entire family, because of the air pollution, because they wanted their children to have a healthier start in life and that they felt it was really unhealthy to live in L.A. And I would say that's something that is probably also getting worse every year. 
I can't I can't argue with that. I mean, I don't know I don't know the science behind it. I don't know the statistics, but I mean, I I and growing up there, I never really questioned the air quality. You'd remark when driving, you know, over they call it over the hill, um when you're driving from you know, the um, Brentwood or uh, Westwood area of, you know, or West L.A. area of Los Angeles on the 405 north towards the valley uh, and towards the 110, I think, is over there. You would see cresting the hill, uh, looking out into the valley below you, just a haze covering everything. And you'd think, actually, at certain times of day, it looked beautiful. You'd mm-hmm. have, you know, the sun setting through it and it would create this, you know, misty aura. But, you know, my dad told me, he was like, that's smog. That's that's small. Nice. That's not nice. So yeah, it it. But I don't notice it, and you know, uh, I don't know if this is irony. You can ask uh, Alanis Morissette about this, but I I've come to have so many worse respiratory problems when I moved to Northern Ireland, unrelated to the air quality here. But um, I haven't had a chance to really you know enjoy the better uh, you know quality of air here because I just have a hard time breathing half the time anyway. Um, and what about the people here? I mean, some would say that people in Los Angeles can be kind of abrasive. They can be a little rude. They can be a bit clicky. Yeah. Um, but they can also be great, of course, as well. Right. What about the people of Northern Ireland? How have you found them to be? They're wonderful for the most part. I mean, you know, everybody has their, you know, jerks, but, uh, so many people are just so willingly to, to offer their help and, and, and are so openly kind of course, there's like slagging all the time. Everyone lo- loves it's slagging. It's fun. It's in jest. It is in jest, but you know, it's 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 <laughs> certainly. I mean, like, it, it's it's more than you'd expect in a lot of respects. But uh, I I really like in general the the average Joe out here, if you will. Slagging, by the way, is another word I never would have used. That's a, <laughs> that's one from out here. Uh, yeah, I remember when your parents were over. That was something they commented on too. Is that they they were amazed at how friendly everybody was yeah. like you could just have a total com- like a chat away with the person in the coffee shop and or someone on the street that you stopped to chat with and people will just chat to you you know uh quite easily and right. openly here you know whereas back in la people were, could kind of be out for themselves but the, the problem with that mentality is, and people attribute it to los angeles but i am of the belief that um and i i can back this up of course it's anecdotal but i mean everyone i knew and was associated with within, you know, my group of friends going to school uh, and, you know, outside of school. All these kids were um, born and bred in Los Angeles and they were so cool. The people that sucked that I would meet more and more often as I got older and played Mm -hmm. music and, you know, worked and did stuff would be people that moved there. And it's the kind of person, of course, not everyone that moves to L.A. is like this, but so many people that are drawn to L.A. are drawn there for what they perceive LA is all about and mm-hmm. they're there to, to make them you know they, they're going to get theirs and they're going to get huge everyone has an in you know an inflated ego everyone uh that the stereotypical LA guy or gal or what have you uh these are in my experience more often than not people that were not from Los Angeles and so before you moved here would you say you had a stereotype in mind of what you thought the people would be like here I mean, not a, not, uh, really, I wasn't, I probably should have thought more about this, but I wasn't really thinking about the kind of people here. I I had more of like a stereotype in my mind of what Ireland looked like full stop for a long time. Uh, What do you think it, what did you think it would look like? (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't even want to say I was, (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) no, like as a, you know, they don't, you don't, the American education system is super flawed. You don't, I mean, I took European history and I did all kinds of stuff that I was supposed to learn about, you know, the outside world. And I did learn a lot, but I, they don't. I mean, maybe they should have just gone and shown me pictures. They didn't show anybody fucking pictures. So, you know, in my head, I'm picturing literally Hobbiton, you know, I'm like imagining the Shire and uh, I don't know why, you know, like they, they never taught us. And like, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's Peter Jackson said he actually modeled the Shire off Ireland a little bit. He may have. And I wouldn't be surprised because there are places in Northern Ireland and, and the Republic of Ireland or all throughout Ireland and even, you know, England and, and outside just all over Europe and the UK, 
you'll find places that look like the Shire. They they, they have little thatch roof, you know, buildings and. So little... when you moved here, were you disappointed? <laughs> no, I was actually. I as much as I love that aesthetic and do actually prefer it in a lot of ways, I was I was surprised because I had gotten that the idea that through the troubles and through all these you know awful things that had happened within Belfast and the outlying areas that it wasn't uh it, it that it it had suffered so much that it wasn't quite as built up as it is now you know people here would tell me you know 10 years ago if you came here you wouldn't see half this you know half this stuff that you'd see yeah, here right it's now it's very come, metropolitan now it's very diverse right so i was i was actually really stoked on you know for like for belfast and for myself to be here because it, it's got a great mix of everything mm-hmm. it, it's 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 well balanced and what would you say then would be your least favorite parts of the culture of living in Northern Ireland? Uh, my least favorite aspects are the um, the hatred uh, and the religious problems and the, you know, the fear of violence over, in my head, what I would per- per- picture as really uh, minute problems and differences uh, and just how unsure I am in certain areas of town whereas in you know in LA you you know when you're in the wrong area of town so mm, I don't yeah. know I mean I think that that's an understandable fear to have when you um, are in a place that you haven't grown up in and that has a history of those kinds of incidents happening and then of course being public figures it has been difficult to you know feel a hundred percent comfortable in environments that you aren't sure of who it is that you're speaking to right but as someone who did grow up here and and loves uh northern ireland and ireland um i think that most for the most part uh those fears are no longer necessary because as a society we have massively moved on from that point but of course as an outsider i can understand those apprehensions and they're they're valid right and I agree, of course, with the hatred and segregation and the flag flying and the... Yeah. It just is, it's exhausting because when you've spent time outside of Northern Ireland, you really begin to see how incredibly toxic that stuff is inside Northern Ireland. And it's just so unnecessary, guys. Can we just, like, move on and get along and leave the stuff behind? Like, what even is the difference? You're all worshipping Jesus, isn't that? I mean, obviously, not all, (laughs) but, like... You know, the two main demographics, they both believe in the same guy on the same wooden structure, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, in many ways, it feels almost like it's beginning to move away from religion so much now. And now it's becoming, especially since the Brexit vote, very much hardened identities, British versus Irish. But I mean, there's not much difference between those either. Their identities, you right. know, like it's. You know, there are a multitude of different nationalities of people that live in Northern Ireland. Um, So why is it that, you know, it has to be contentious between Irish and British people? Makes no sense. As is tradition. Um, And so what about the positives? So tell me a little bit about what are your favorite parts of our culture? Um, Well, we've covered a couple of them, just like the people. And Mm -hmm. I love the... um, like the scene, the scenery, and I love the music scene, and uh, I love the food. I love, um, you know, the history. Uh, you know, of course, there's so much uh, unpleasant history as well, but there's also so so many awesome, you know, even just like pop culture cool things. Like here, the the you know the DeLorean was a big thing here, yeah, and the Titanic, which the, you learned about. Yeah, hugely, hugely. And do you remember those T-shirts and stuff we saw? She was all right when she left here. <laughs> yeah, that's a good bit of humor. A good is, bit of Northern Irish humor. That's a good, yeah, definitely got a good laugh out of me. Um, and there's you know the of course the like the the lore here the like mythology and yeah, the cool stuff Granny has taught you all about those fairy trees the fairy trees which i'm absolutely petrified of now <laughs> like i of course as a kid in america you learn fairies are like tinkerbell but here right. i learned that they were just vengeful little shites that want to just <laughs> shites there's another one another you would one. not have used that one they have no no desire in life more than the the, the willingness to fuck not your life up but hey, your hey, life hey, and hey, everyone no, you're giving them a bad rap okay no. they're only going to mess you up they're if so you mess petty. with them they're so petty if you just, even do the most like minor thing to them they will kill you your your kids your kids friends your kids look, friends that's only nanny. gonna be if you chop down their home okay so okay. just you know 
don't chop down the fairy tree and you're going to be fine. Well, I, I, I'm just playing it safe. I remember we were in on a walk one time and uh, our dog Galaxy uh, ran over to a fairy. Like I didn't expect to see this. We went off the the beaten path and walked into like a weird area of uh, of the like the forest that we were walking in and it, it wasn't like a main trail and there was a fairy tree there uh, and Galaxy had r- arrived at it first and lifted his leg to take a fucking piss on it and I like I screamed at him I like you know I, I don't care how reasonable and logical I am in my head if I if I see something like that my my superstitious uh, side, which was instilled by my mom, who like would never let me open an umbrella inside or walk underneath a ladder or break <laughs> a glass, any or a mirror rather. Like as soon as I saw that, I my heart stopped and I like yanked him well, verbally. I didn't even have a lead on, but like I <laughs> verbally yanked him back to me and was like, "Do not." Do not pee on that tree. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I don't know if they'd even be upset about that. But like they sound like such petty little bastards that if. Oh, no. Another thing that actually has just come to mind a little bit is names. You've had to learn a lot of Irish names since being here. That's been a cultural thing for you to adapt to, too. I mean, my goddaughter, Clayna's name is spelled C-L-I-O-D. H and A and that continues to be a struggle for you, right? Yeah, the D's and the H's and the G's and stuff like I don't know. I I I can't get my head around it. Like everything in from the most part many uh of the words and spellings in in English are pretty phonetic. You can like follow along, but um and I mean the Irish, you know, Gaelic and the other various uh like uh native dialects throughout Europe and the UK even um, tend to have similarities to even like Hebrew, which I had to learn as a kid, where there's unexpected harsh uh, letters and vowels and stuff. And I like I just uh, I still don't understand how how to read names. I haven't gotten <laughs> haven't been able to figure it out. I'll have to do you know, I'll have to take down names and, and uh, you know, words for work. And like I have to just ask people to spell it out for me because it. Uh, does not it does not ever spell out the way that it sounds like it should that's funny i think that's us coming to a wrap on our episode on the culture shock of moving from los angeles to northern ireland to close jake do you think that northern ireland is home now yeah uh totally i like had that feeling a few months ago where i you know i locked the back door after letting the dogs out and like had that sensation of like ah oh, good nice and safe in in my home and it wasn't just the house it was like just being in a a, a land that feels like home that's incredible and you're going to get your irish citizenship soon right damn straight oh and you're going to be an irish citizen that's uh, going to be amazing that's right i'm excited i'm you know i know there's a lot of uh you know even on like on reddit and throughout the internet there's uh vocal uh opposition to what some people believe Irishness is, but you know, uh, I'm sure there are those who will call me a plastic patty, but I don't know if that even applies to me (laughs) because I'm not like, I'm not an Irish American. I'm an American who became Irish. I have no Irish in my heritage at all. Well, I'm sure that will be an interesting journey for you to, um, move through, through Reddit whenever you finally get your citizenship. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I was going to say something else. No, that's it. I can't remember what it was. It's, it must have been a lie. It must have been. And I think that is us wrapping up. So thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of From Hollywood to Hollywood. We hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time, take care. It didn't actually record. You better be joking. <laughs> you better be joking. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs>